All right, welcome to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo, and we're back with a new show, back with a new episode. Really excited to share this conversation that I have with Ralph Barcy today. Ralph Barcy is the VP of Inside Sales at Trey.io. Um, spent a lot of time uh, at ServiceNow. He's been in the business for decades and is really one of the premier uh, thought leaders and practitioners on sales development and sales leadership uh, in in the business. So uh, I'm really excited to share uh, our com- my conversation with Ralph. I actually talked with him about two and a half years ago. If you go check out episode 45 of this podcast, you'll hear the intro conversation that I had with Ralph. You get more of a background on his mindset, uh, where he comes from, and, and get to know him a little bit better. Uh, but in this conversation, we really go on a wide range of topics. We, we start uh, with the big picture in mind. You know, he talks about, you know, why you should work harder on yourself than on your job. And we talk about books. We talk about uh, gratitude, where really that whole mindset comes from that I think is really what helps to make him so successful is having the right mindset and attitude. So we start there and then we get more specific as we go along, tapping into you know some tips and tactical advice for new SDRs, sales development reps, first year salespeople. What, the, what can they do today to make their job a little bit better? Uh, same with a new sales manager. Uh, Ralph had given me some advice earlier this year and we talk a little bit about really looking uh, about, you know, how do you predict the weather versus just reporting on the weather and what he means by that. Uh, you know, we talk a little bit of music at the end um, and we talk about uh, Rob's family life, how he balances it all, his time management. We really get into so many different conversations. So I really hope that you enjoy this. Um, if you do enjoy the conversation, you can find more uh, from me at millennialmomentum.net. Feel free to add me on LinkedIn. Uh, Tom Alemo. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy Tahoe. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to, uh, you know, better learn from you and, and hopefully you find value in this conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to pass you to my conversation with Ralph Barcy. All right, Mr. Ralph Barcy. Good morning. How you doing this morning, man? Tommy Tahoe Alemo. I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I couldn't be better. I'm excited to uh, to have you on the show and have you back as a recurring guest um, from episode. We were just laughing that episode 45, about two and a half years ago, was the first time that we went at it in the podcast. So uh, excited to have you back. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I, I want to just I want to get straight into it. Um, I've I was listening. You know, I've heard you on a ton of different podcasts and webinars, and a quote that you bring up all the time. Uh, from Jim Rohn is uh, that, you know, to work harder on yourself uh, than you do on your job. And um, I want you to just explain what you mean by that, because I think that is like a great baseline for getting to know Ralph Barcy as, as a person, as a salesperson, as a leader. Right on, man. Well, I've uh, listened to Jim for many, many years, God rest him. And uh, another, you know, favorite quote of his uh, that's in my book is, success is something you attract by becoming an attractive person. You know, success is not something you pursue. And for so many years in my career, I had it all wrong. I was pursuing, 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 rather than really focusing on, well, what can I be doing to attract more opportunity in my life, in my career, et cetera? Oh, I've got to work on me. I've got to work on becoming a more attractive person. And um, what my interpretation of that definition is, is that to become attractive, you have to add value to the marketplace. And the more value you add, the more valuable you become in the process. And the whole point of becoming valuable in the process is so that you can help more and more people and you can make more and more of a positive impact on the lives and careers of so many people that you know and don't know. And that's something that I've always aspired to do. Uh, Now, granted, along the way, I've probably turned a ton of people off and that's fine, but I would put money down that, uh, you know, 80% of the people that, 
you know, listen to some of the stuff I'm talking about or read some of the stuff that I'm writing about, take it the way it's meant to be taken and pay it forward and go on to help other people in their own right. And so that's just something that I've started to really live by, especially over the last decade or so. And uh, I've seen the benefit from it. It's been great. Yeah. And, and when you like, can we get into some of the specifics around what you mean by working on yourself? Like, I know you're a big, you know, something that we both do a lot is read, right? And, you know, leaders are readers. So I, I'd be curious to hear from you on like how that, how you picked up the habit of reading and how you incorporate that into all the other things that you do. Um, and then maybe we can get into some actual specific books that, you know, we're both have on our nightstand and, and that we're both plowing through right now. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, I do my best to wear a student's cap on my head all the time. And I adopt that beginner's mindset as much as I can. And I am very, at least I'm working on it, very self-aware of what I don't know. And that there's so much to always learn from and apply better than I am now. And so uh, the reading habit has really come from my love and passion for writing. I prefer to write. I love writing. Uh, was, you know, a big fan of English class in high school, took writing and poetry classes in college. Uh, I still write a weekly email update to my entire organization every Sunday morning. And I've realized, uh, you know, through my writing actions that there's a lot you don't know if you have to write about it. And so in order to figure out what it is you're trying to convey to your readers and to your audience, you gotta, you gotta dig deep and you have to look at the numbers. You have to slice and dice uh, different reports, different charts, and have a very holistic, comprehensive understanding of where you are or where the business is against the business's plan, for example, so that when you write about it, you are thinking clearly and, you know, clear writers in my book are clear thinkers. So in order to write well and to write well consistently, you've got to read a lot. You've got to get exposed to all the different styles of writing that are out there. You pick up on great vocabulary words uh, that say things that you've been trying to say much better than you've said them. And uh, you see how phrasing comes into play, how sentence structure comes into play uh, by reading a variety of writers and writing styles. Uh, to, you know, kind of dip into some of the things I've been reading of late. It's funny you ask. I've got these two books on my desk right now. The first is, uh, uh, they're both older ones. It's Clayton Christensen's How Will You Measure Your Life? Mm. Uh, first published in the Harvard Business Review and uh, became a little book in itself. And then a classic from uh, Andy Grove, the late Andy Grove is High Output Management. And I've been really getting into these in particular because, you know, the, the former talks about the macro. It talks about kind of what is the purpose you're working to fulfill? What is it that's compelling you to get up every day? You know, what is it all about when you say you want to positively impact so many people in your life? That kind of stuff really resonates with me. And Clayton's book just does a wonderful job of reminding me of the macro. Uh, high output management you know, the latter uh, helps me get into both the macro and the micro in terms of my career, the operation I'm overseeing, uh, the business within the business that I am responsible for. And it helps me get a better understanding of um, how things flow, uh, where there might be kinks in the chain or in the process, and how I can mitigate risk uh, and move the whole needle forward for uh, our company and for my organization. So th those are just a couple examples of the the recent readings, but uh, we can go for days on that stuff, as you know. Yeah. So I'm interested in in kind of the dichotomy of those two books. And the first book that's by Clayton Christensen, you're you're talking about really high level uh, what your purpose in life is and your values and things like that. But when I think about you know, new age leadership, servant leadership, being mindful, um, things like that. Like you're, you're someone that, that comes to mind by the way that you communicate. Um, so I'm curious how, how important has purpose 
then and clearly identifying a why or a reason why you should get up in the morning or why you're on a mission at, you know, currently at Trey and, and some of your former endeavors. But how important has that been to your success in your career? Like how much emphasis have you placed on that? It's everything, Tom, you know, because it impacts, uh, it impacts my role as a husband and father, you know, as a son, brother, et cetera, as well as a peer, a colleague, a mentor, a mentee. Uh, it just, it, it, I have to remind myself of the purpose every morning. Otherwise really, what is the point? What am I, what am I doing? Uh, yeah. what, what value am I adding? Uh, to the lives of others and and the my own life, uh, so I'm just I'm constantly reconciling against the purpose, constantly uh, you know seeing how I can be even better, uh, even sometimes on a on an hour by hour basis. Uh, if it gets quiet in my day, for example, uh, a, a trigger uh, will will set off that maybe I need to message my team right now just to let them know that hey i'm optimistic i'm focusing on where we are against plan i'm thinking of some tactical things we could be doing in the moment uh, or sometime this week uh, in order to get everybody uh, to get some momentum going <clears throat> so every um every month right now at trey we host uh, an all company it's, it's really centers on the field organization and on marketing but it's an all company prospecting day and uh, everybody carves out the entire day and does nothing but prospecting efforts. So that could be wow. following up on dormant leads. That could be asking mutual connections to broker introductions into prospective logos. It could be getting after maybe a top you know, 25 or top 50 target account list, uh, whether it's enriching that list or whether it's reaching out to key stakeholders uh, from those key accounts, et cetera. But the point is, is when you have this collective effort and this collective focus on the art and craft of prospecting, you'd be amazed at what a company can achieve in one given day. And I learned that uh, at my days at ServiceNow where we would do that uh, sometimes on a monthly basis, sometimes on a quarterly basis. But when you have a field organization of that scope and scale, collectively focused on uh, prospecting efforts for one given day. It's just amazing, you know, the life that you can infuse into the company's pipeline uh, and you can ensure that you've got the pipeline coverage needed to really succeed throughout the subsequent quarters. So those are, those are you know, some things that we're focused on right now and how I'm tying everything back to purpose. Yeah. And so when you think of that purpose in the, you say you, you kind of think about that in the morning, is it something that you, you have a moment of, of reflection, you, you write it down, do you, you share it with people? Like, how, how do you go about that? And, and maybe how would you, how do you get yourself centered in that mindset? Yeah, great question. So yes, it is, it is a daily regular occurrence for me. It's probably more private than public. Uh, mm -hmm. So for example, I take copious notes in Evernote. Uh, it's yep. usually my, um, my source for journaling. And uh, I'm Catholic, so I'm pretty faith-filled and uh, I'll do, you know, there'll be quiet prayer in the morning, for example, and it's mostly centered on gratitude, uh, just that I get another day, uh, that I have my family and important people to me in my life still, et cetera. And now how can I go make a difference? How can I make an impact? And oftentimes I'll fire up, uh, you know, a brand new session in Evernote. And uh, I'll write things like that down just to answer those questions. But then what it'll do is it'll kick the wheels into gear to just think about the, the work day at hand and some of the things that we want to accomplish. Uh, and because I do it regularly and because it's a daily occurrence, typically on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, uh, I geek out a little bit and I just carve out real quiet, reflective time to be introspective and to compare and contrast the week prior to previous months, quarters, years. Uh, I keep a catalog of, you know, used moleskin journals that I've filled up over the years just to see kind of where I was and where our team was in any given point in time to see what tweaks and calibrations I can make as a leader uh, to, um, you know, to move this current team forward, you know, based on past learnings. And you're not really thinking about that unless the mind is quiet. Uh, and as we both know, kind of during the week, we're dealing with the swirl of Slack messages and the deluge of messages coming across 
by way of notifications on LinkedIn or Twitter or just emails, et cetera. And we get, we get caught up in that swirl and we just, you've got to carve out that time just for silence and reflection. And that typically doesn't happen during the week. Yeah, I, I remember reading, I, I forget exactly who it was, but it was someone that was, was high up in, in a military chain. He gave a commencement speech saying that the best leaders are those that actually take more time for pause and reflection um, and get more time alone where they can really just kind of ruminate through their thoughts. And it doesn't happen in the first 10 minutes that you're sitting down and, and you're quiet. It might happen in you know, the second hour of doing that or, or, you know, a few days if you, if you're taking a vacation or taking a break or something like that, where a good idea comes to you. So that's a great, it's just a great piece of advice. I think for all of us that are always constantly, you know, and I'm, I'm not immune to this, checking our phones, updating Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and email. And it's just a constant flood of notifications and red circles on our phones. So to, to take that time on a, (laughs) a Saturday or a Sunday uh, to, or early morning or late in the evening, whenever you can to, to kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, no question. It's, it's certainly going to help. And it kind of goes back to what you asked at the beginning of our talk about, uh, you know, working on yourself harder than you work on your job. Well, that habit that I just described was not one that I had a decade ago. You know, I wasn't making a focused effort to carve out time for reflection and introspection. Now I do. Uh, so that is an example of working on yourself harder than you work on the job because b- both will benefit from the former. You know, mm-hmm. if you're really focusing on how could I be a better person? How could I actually stop thinking about myself so much? And how can I be better at serving others and being more of a servant leader? Uh, and that has that has really really helped me uh, kind of align with the purpose that we talked about as well. So those are little examples of kind of working on myself harder than the career. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, you know, on, on that same token, you know, I, I know you mentioned that you know your your husband and your your father. I think you have three boys. Um, and I heard on a recent show that you did about a story that you were telling from back in the day. You know, a few jobs ago where you were traveling all over the world and, and you'd come back from this trip to China and, you know, your wife was like, what are you doing? You're, you're never here. You, you moved to San Diego and, you know, it's just like, and then maybe that caused you to, to make a pivot to be around more, but I'd love to hear from you now, um, you know, years later, and especially now given the quarantine, I think, you know, being at home more than, you know, not being able to go to the office every day. Like how do you balance being a great sales leader taking the time to reflect and do the things that you just spoke about um, while also, you know, being a husband, being a father and, and having all that balance. Like how do you get all that done? Yeah. So for me, Tom, well, first of all, thank you for that. And for me, I am a visual guy. So what I need to do sometimes is draw on a blank piece of paper, you know, uh, maybe a bunch of circles, like a hub and spoke, image, for example, uh, you know, in the middle hub uh, is the word harmony and all the spokes that attach to the hub are all the different facets of my life. And obviously it applies to everybody. And I just want to make sure that I'm taking stock and inventory on the time, energy, and effort I'm investing in each spoke. Some are more important than others. Family is the most important to me. So I want to make sure that Uh, you know, I meet my boys where they are in their lives as well as my wife. So, you know, I've got, I've got one in college, I've got two in high school. Uh, You know, the three of them, uh, you know, are dealing with their own individual challenges, their own individual successes. And I want to meet each where they are. So I want to make sure that when I'm corresponding with them, whether it's a text or whether I'm calling them and I'm talking to them individually, that I'm just kind of focused on their little pocket in life right now uh, versus thinking about me. It's the last thing or person I want to be thinking about. I just want to make sure that uh, I'm able to give them my full presence and full attention uh, so that I can either just be there to listen to them or, you know, share advice and guidance if it's needed. You know, it's not always appropriate to be the dad that just gives advice and, Oh, you know, I remember when I was going through something similar because it's just yeah. not always relevant and uh, just being aware of that kind of stuff is really important. So that's what I, that's what I try to think about. 
Yep. Yeah. And it, again, it goes back to, you know, putting others before yourself and, and being where, you know, your feet are, as I've heard people say, like, you know, when you're at work, you're at work, when you're with the family, you're with the family, when you're thinking or reading or doing whatever you're doing, you're there in that moment, you're present and, and giving it your all. Yeah. Very stoic. You know, I think it's Marcus Aurelius who wrote in his meditations writings uh, to confine yourself to the present. Mm. And that's important. For sure. Um, I, I want to make a little bit of a pivot to some more tactical info. You know, there's a lot of uh, SDR sales development reps, you know, first time salespeople that, that are tuning in and, and listening to you and, and that follow a lot of your work. Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, you've been leading teams for a really long time. Like wh what is one of the biggest mistakes that you see a sales development rep or a new sales rep make in their career that you wish that, you know, they they would avoid or that you think you could help them avoid? Yeah, great question. Wow, there's, there, there are a couple that come to mind. One is uh, a lot of them, not all of them. A lot of them are very hasty in terms of getting to the next role. Mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they start to earn their stripes. They put in a, an amount of time in, you know, because we're talking about it, the sales development role and they feel in their whole heart and soul that they're ready to become account executives. Uh, rather than playing more of a long game and keeping their world small. Uh, what I mean by that is just, just your career is an arc. And so you have to understand kind of where you are in terms of your career arc and what it is you're learning in the process of being a sales development rep and who it is that you're becoming in the process as well. And when you can do that properly, you're a little more patient and you too wear that student cap and you're constantly learning about the processes. Uh, you're constantly learning whether that's a buying process or a selling process, whether that's an external process or an internal process. Uh, you're learning about um, the people that are involved, you know, the stakeholders that are involved internally and externally. And when I talk about externally, I mean, influencers uh, in your career, uh, you know, prospects that you don't yet know, executives that might be leading an association or a community that you're ultimately going to be part of. It kind of runs the gamut. But what I'm getting at, getting to Tom is, you know, it's the process, people, strategy, and technology, understanding those four pillars and how they are interconnected and how they connect the dots uh, is really, really important. Uh, and in that comes patience and learning that. Um, another key thing I see people running into all the time is they don't come up with two solutions to a problem that they're encountering before escalating it to a superior. And that's probably the uh, lame word to use, but uh, your manager, your supervisor, your leader, um, someone uh, that you wanna bring a problem to to solve. Uh, it's really important that you try to solve it first on your own come up with a couple multiple choice options or solutions to that problem and then approach a leader saying, Hey, Tom, look, I've been really struggling with getting responses to my emails. Here's what I've done. You know, I created an AB sequence just to kind of test the waters with this new copy to see if I get, uh, you know, a higher clip of, of response. Uh, and this is what it has looked like over the last couple of weeks. Another thing I did is I kind of revamped my LinkedIn profile, stopped really talking about me. Instead, I started rewording it to focus on how we solve potential problems that our prospects might be encountering. And um, I'm still not seeing any lift. So I thought I would bring this to you to see if, you know, what am I missing? A leader is way more uh, open to helping you when you've kind of done some of the work uh, beforehand versus, Hey, Tom, I don't, I'm not getting any responses. You know, what should I do? That's just not the way to approach the situation. Uh, and nine times out of 10, when you kind of go with the two solutions to one problem approach, you're going to solve it on your own. Uh, and, and what you become is a leader in the process. Uh, that's how leaders are born. They kind of solve problems, uh, fast and they solve bigger and bigger problems as their career progresses. And so the haste thing and the um, problem solving thing, I think are two prominent things that stick out uh, with today's SDRs. Yeah, for sure. And I think on that, on the latter, you know, when I spent time as a manager, that was one of 
my pet peeves was, um, and it kind of got drilled into me when I was an individual contributor that to not come to your manager or your vice president or whoever's overseeing you and say, here's the situation. What do we do? It's like, you know, here's what I've tried or here are three possible solutions to this problem. I think we should go with the first one, but I'm curious just from your experience, if you agree or disagree with that. And I think there's a huge difference to that. Again, that's how you actually learn how to do it so that if you're confronted with that problem again, which you probably will, you'll know what the likely uh, result should be or, or, or how to attack that problem yep. moving forward. So I think that's, it's more just about thinking for yourself and, and not being afraid that you're going to fail in that scenario. Um, than you know anything else you know what else tom it goes back to you know working harder on yourself that is a prime mm. example yeah exactly exactly um and, and now how about in the world of um you know it's, it's a tough market obviously right now if we're speaking just about current events uh with everything that's gone on in, in 2020 um so if, if someone was maybe an sdr and they had a major layoff or they got, you know, cut off from the organization and, and they're looking for a new opportunity. What can help them to stand out right now? You mentioned the LinkedIn profile. Um, you know, but I, I, I think you've written some articles on this, but I'd love to just hear, especially in a world right now where it is so competitive, how am I, you know, Tom and SDR that's on the market right now going to stand out to an employer? Yeah, sure. So first things first, you have to have an understanding of where you want to land and why. Mm -hmm. So maybe there are 10 or 20 logos that you would love to be part of uh, and you would love to work for and grow within. So start there. Start by getting an understanding of where it is you want to go. If you could go anywhere, uh, and I mean logo-wise, not necessarily location-wise, um, that matters less these days. So I wouldn't worry so much about location as much as I would about types of businesses you want to work for, uh, you know, types of products that you want to sell, for example. And I would write that list down. Second thing I would do is ask myself, well, why would they want me to be part of their organization in the first place? And so I would want to take stock of, well, in my previous role as an SDR, for example, how many closed one opportunities were sourced by me? And what are the nuances of each of those opportunities? What did I do to add value and actually create a viable opportunity for the pipeline that ended up becoming a new customer? And, you know, what was my uh, conversion rate of the, um, you know, raw opportunities to closure? Uh, you know, what are, what are some examples of how I would work on a day-to-day -day basis? How would I set up my weeks? How would I set up my days? What contributions did I make internally to my team? For example, did I host any brown bag sessions, you know, lunch and learns? Uh, how many times did I appear on a company all hands? Or how often or not would I lead a team stand up? And what are some of the topics I would talk about? Uh, what have I done on an ancillary basis outside of work? So this is what we were talking about earlier, talking about the external factors. You know, am I involved in a community or an association? Uh, do I do charitable work in my local community? Uh, you know, how can I present the whole person that I am to this company so they see that when uh, I will, you know, if I'm going to be considered for their for their company, I'm going to be... Uh, you know, a compliment and an add to their culture or to their vision or to their team. Uh, and that's where you've got to really do that introspective work. And you also, from a tactical standpoint, you need to start taking a look at the amount of pipeline you drove, the number of leads that you managed per day, what your activity levels looked like, so you could present a real business case for why you're the only person recruiters and talent teams should look at. Uh, you know, hiring managers should look no further you are here uh, to add value. Now that said, once that step takes place, you have to realize that it's a two-way street. That company may not be hiring as quickly as they were three quarters ago, pre-pandemic. And so you've got to be patient. You kind of got to stay where they are. And that's where the communication piece comes down, or that's where it comes down to the communication piece. You know, you have to set up almost like a um, almost like a marketing calendar for yourself on how often and with what message you're going to be pinging your hiring manager or key stakeholders uh, with. 
what that message is going to say. Is it going to be in the form of an email? Are you going to hit them on LinkedIn? Will it be video? Will it be a short email with a link? You know, what, what is it going to do to really string together a great narrative about you? So you actually have a lot of work to do if you're on the market right now looking to get into some perspective logos. Uh, you've got a lot of work to do on creating your package. Yep. So there's two things I want to I wanna point on that you just mentioned. One was knowing your numbers, which I think is probably an underrated step for the process that maybe folks may not pay a lot of attention to uh, in their first or second job uh, interview process. But it's, it likens it to, you know, I like the show Shark Tank. Um, I'm not a big TV watcher, but I do like that show. And you, there's a definitely a direct correlation to who gets deals compared to which founders actually know all the margins and all the numbers when one of the sharks asks them. So that you similarly, if you're the CEO of your own business, of your own career, of your own life, you should know those numbers, whether you're an AE, an SDR, a sales leader, whatever you might be. So I, I wanted to just highlight that and make sure folks understood that. Yep. Um, and, and then, you know, in, in the second piece um, of, you know, from the interview process, you know, something that really keeps coming back out to me is you're talking about writing, you're talking about communication. Um, can you speak a little bit to, I've never really heard you talk about this in depth, but I'm curious, like appearance, right? We're, folks can <laughs> see us if they're looking on YouTube, right? You know, you've got nice glasses, you've got a nice microphone, you've got the a pressed, you know, button down shirt. You are thoughtful with how you speak. There's not wasted words. I've, I've seen you write a lot about, you know, writing short, catchy emails that aren't, you know, really tedious and long for the reader. So my thought is that you probably put a lot of, of thought into the appearance of how you communicate, how you look, how you speak. Um, can you can riff on that for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I use the term buttoned up to describe everything that you just uh, shared. Uh, just making sure that you are illustrating attention to detail, that you are focused on all the little nuances uh, from having a high def webcam that's at eye level to a high def microphone to you know, uh, chiming into a Zoom call a minute or two prior to the meeting starting because if you are on time, you are late. Making sure that you're prepared for the meeting at hand, uh, that you've studied the numbers, that you have anticipated questions already addressed in your mind that you may be asked or that may come up in the call that you might be able to lend a hand to. Uh, when it comes to writing, it's being mindful and sensitive towards the reader of your writing, making sure that if you're going to email a busy executive, whether or not they're working from home is a moot point. You have to uh, have the awareness that they're likely going to read your email from their mobile device. So if they have to scroll just once, you know, the likelihood of uh, them responding goes down. Uh, and it's reading and understanding all the stats and rates that, that go along with subject lines, size of emails, et cetera, just so that you can get your message through all the swirl and noise that we talked about earlier. Uh, yes, the shirt is pressed. In fact, I'm one of those guys out there that every night prior to work, even here in a remote world, I pull out the ironing board and I press my shirt. Uh, I always wear shorts and flip-flops now that I'm home, but the shirt's <laughs> always pressed and on point because that to me is, um, it's a ritual that kind of gets me focused on the workday at hand. You know, that I've been hired to make an impact on this organization and on our marketplace. And there are a lot of people making a big, big investment in the value that I could bring to the people of our company and to the people within our ecosystem. And I take that very seriously. Uh, I want people to know that, look, we're in a world where we must measure twice and cut once when we are recruiting executives. And I want them to see a return on their investment very quickly. I want them to know immediately that they have the right person at the helm and uh, that I'll lead with love and that I'll uh, teach and coach along the way so that I can create more leaders in the process which again goes back to 
you know, uh, success being something that you attract versus something you pursue. And you do it by adding value to your marketplace in order to become more valuable. So all of it is connected, Tom. Yep. And I, something I love is that you, you speak in parables almost. It's like, because you're so well-read and and probably because you spend that time reflecting during just one of those riffs, you drop like three or four great quotes that hopefully folks have got their notebooks out or their Evernote or whatever they're using to take notes on that they can, they can reflect on later, which, which I always love just a, a Ralph bomb like that. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, so if we pivot a little bit over to leadership, right, for maybe the new leaders out there, a sales leader out there, um, something that you helped me out with early the, you know, earlier this year, we were in a different world then. It was probably January or, or February pre-pandemic, and we sat down, and you know, I was in my first leadership role, and you helped me to kind of guide out of focusing on probably the, you know, the forest from the trees, right, of, of really focusing on this deal this opportunity, this situation, this day, and focus more on, well, how am I helping my company think six, 12, 18 months into the future? Um, and I, I imagine I'm not alone in someone that, that struggled to do that in their first role. So maybe you could speak a little bit to uh, what you mean by that and, and maybe how that details out if it's, if it's part of your Sunday email that you referenced earlier. Yeah, sure. So there's, um, there, there are a lot of uh, great leaders that I learned from recently uh, during my tenure at ServiceNow. Uh, one of them is Craig Pratt. Craig Pratt, uh, also the host of a podcast, it's called Next Level Leadership, I think. Uh, Craig used to challenge me and my organization to stop reporting on the weather and start predicting the weather. So all of us could look at the, the uh, lagging indicators. We could all take a look and see how well we did or not last month or last week or last quarter. Well, what can the business do with that information? That's your job as a leader to uh, reconcile that data, read into that data and predict you know, what we can expect and anticipate uh, whether that's challenges, risks, or successes down the pike uh, so that we can prepare as a business properly. Uh, then there's Dan Rogers, who was the CMO at ServiceNow when I was there. And he really, really taught me the importance of critical thinking. Uh, and he introduced me to a concept very similar to the, print, uh, the pyramid principle, which comes from McKinsey and Consulting. I'm sorry, yeah, McKinsey Consulting. Uh, and the pyramid principle is really, you know, starting with the answer first. Where do we want to be? We understand there's a problem here, but what is the answer to the problem? And then deconstructing that problem by asking a series of questions and breaking up the, pro- the problem in as many pieces as you can so that you can solve for all the different steps along the way to root cause of the problem. That way you can mitigate risk, prevent that problem from ever happening again. Uh, and if that problem does happen again, you actually have levers you can pull and you have a contingency plan in place that's going to help you solve that problem much faster than you are right now. So those are a couple examples that I would reference uh, for the listeners and viewers today to keep in mind uh, when they are you know, doing a QBR, for example, or if there's a team meeting and we're going around the horn to see, hey, Tom, so you know, how many leads are in your queue right now? And you know, what's your take on them? You could say, well, just you know, based on my activity over the last two quarters, uh, and these have been my conversion rates, uh, what I've done is I've grouped my leads by score, by status, by source. And because I know how I can do with each of those categories, I've sorted them accordingly. And I know the likelihood of me getting a qualified meeting is much higher if I go this route versus that route. So all that said, I think by end of month, I should be here. By end of quarter, I should be here. And if everybody is kind of pulling their weight and doing the same thing, we as a team could probably get to this or we could exceed goal. And when you've got an SDR, for example, or an account executive talking in those terms to leadership and truly managing up the chain of command, you're seeing a leader being made uh, right before your eyes. So if there's not a, you know, if there's not a culture right now, let's say you're at a, a smaller company at a startup and you're one of the only sales managers, let's just, you know, make up the scenario. Um, and there's not a culture of maybe your VP of sales or your CRO doesn't send out a weekly email like Ralph sends. Um, and there's just not that culture right now of that type of communication. 
would you suggest that that person just starts sending those on a Sunday and includes all the different stakeholders? Should they run that by their boss first? Should they like communicate what they're thinking or, or just kind of go for it, I guess is, is where I'm going with that. Like kind of take the bull by the horns or how they should approach it. Yeah. What, what a great question. It really depends, Tom, you know, every organization, every culture is different. Uh, in some places that flies in other places it doesn't. Uh, but you have to remember as the leader that you're going to get what you tolerate. And so if you want to approach the week with, you know, kind of a hope strategy, and you kind of hope things work out this week, this month, this quarter, and you're not really articulating at least how you're thinking about the plan to the team, then go for it. Uh, it, The opposite is if you do articulate that plan, at least the way you're thinking about it and what's on your radar, uh, you're going to create a, a culture of expectation where people can expect versus hope when it comes to uh, the results that you're all going for. Uh, And you also want to be very clear and transparent uh, as much as possible and authentic as well with your team. You know, for me, I like to write. I also am a fan of people who are consistent and people who are uh, very open with constant and never ending improvement. And so uh, if, if there's something on my radar that's bugging me, I want the team to know about it. Uh, And I'll even give guidance and coaching on tactics I think they can apply as early as tomorrow because it's a Sunday uh, to, um, to employ to kind of help move us all forward. And, and I've found that throughout the last several years of doing this to be extremely effective. So, uh, but again, at the end of the day, it does depend on, on the, the environment and culture that you're working in or have chosen to work in. Yep. And, and I, I would also make the point too, that, um, you know, regarding maybe title and where you are in the food chain that, you know, your title doesn't have to make you a leader either. You mentioned that, you know, SDRs, AEs, even, you know, a manager level, like those folks can still take charge of their own career and of, of their own territory and, and things like that to, you know, be forward looking and help predict the weather and help the company to get better. And I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but that would help to separate if I was, you know, Ralph and I was a vice president and I was looking to grow my team. I would want someone that is looking beyond just what their own daily obligations are of closing a deal or setting up their meetings or hitting quota and exceeding quota for all the other ways that they can help the organization get better and help to identify, hey, here's what I'm hearing from customers on calls. Here's the objections I'm hearing. Oh, I, you know, I joined this great webinar with Sales Hacker and here's what these folks were saying and try to take that to the team. I think trying to help others get better and not be selfish with that information um, speaks to how you can be as a future leader too. Yeah. Show them what great looks like, you know, and they can take it or leave it. But if you, for example, create a centralized repository in your company that kind of houses all those nuggets and you have them indexed properly, like, Hey, this is for reading at bedtime if you want, versus this is something that's a P one. I really want you all to, to look at this and respond to me by X with your feedback, good, bad, or otherwise. But I want to make sure that, you know, you acknowledge that you read it or saw it. There are different ways you can communicate, you know, some of the knowledge share uh, and what great looks like to your organization. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned maybe 10 or 15 minutes ago about uh, that you lead with love. And I thought that was interesting. Um, So could you expand on that? Like, how do you build trust how do you how do you lead with love like what what does that mean to you and and how does that affect you know how you go about your day-to-day and build relationships with the teams yeah wow uh so again it's just part of being my authentic self uh you know i i sincerely i i want the best for everybody uh and i want the best for everybody especially those that i've worked with and worked for uh and it also helps me handle a lot of the haters so you know as you get exposed on podcasts like this or webinars or you're on stage, et cetera, or you're pumping out LinkedIn posts or articles, you know, it's always open to criticism. And sometimes people uh, really lean into that criticism and it can definitely sting a bit, but uh, you know, right or wrong, I just, I, I pray for them. I wish for nothing but the best for them. I'm sorry what I said or did kind of threw them off or didn't align with what they thought leadership looked like, et cetera. Uh, but it doesn't mean I don't, you know, I don't 
like them or, or want, wish, wish ill things for them. That's, that's never the case for me. Um, you know, I don't have to like somebody, but it doesn't mean you know, that I want bad things to happen to them. So I just, uh, hope that they can see the light at some point and just be a little kinder to people and understand that, you know, everybody as you know, this is an old, old adage, you know, everybody's battling their own battle. And I think more people need to be aware of that. Uh, I still think that we, you know, meander through this planet and through life, uh, thinking that we're all separated when we really are all connected and just kind of reminding yourself of that on a regular basis, I think is really, really important kind of helps everybody just, you know, seek first to understand before being understood and just be cooler to people. And I also think it's a, it's a tougher path to walk. You know, it's very easy to not be cool to people uh, and to take pot shots at people, uh, whether it's on LinkedIn or, you know, public forums or otherwise, but um, it's much tougher to just kind of be cool and be more of a coach, a guide, someone who's a little more loving in their approach. And I like that path better. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the same goes for the salesperson, right? To if they run into that prospect or customer that's had a buff, a bad day, or they are, a, you know, maybe there's a trend of them kind of being hard on you or, you know, really kind of like, you know, picking battles quite generously, then, um, you know, I found that it's, it's easier to, uh, to work with those folks just by, you know, trying to find common ground and, and just be, you know, you attract more bees with, with honey than vinegar and, and just try to be, you know, positive and kind and, and hope that, that some of that like rubs off on, on that. And you know, Tom, it's inevitable. It's going to, you're going yeah. to run into those people. It's part of life, you know, but uh, you know, you can always control your actions, your reactions and your mindset. For sure. For sure. So um, let's, let's, let's pull us into the selfish section, right? So I've got a selfish question. <laughs> Sure. to ask and maybe I'll make that a new a new segment of the show. So I'm starting, you know, a new role as an AE um in, you know, uh 8 days from now. So what would Ralph's one advice be for me heading into that role? Uh listen, then connect and then engage. So listen, par- you're parachuting in to a new battlefield. So you need to parachute in and assess the situation. You need to see kind of, okay, where are we? Where are we trying to go? What is in our way? And uh, how can I help? How can I help remove obstacles? How, how can I help uh, bring value to this situation? Uh, and that takes a minute. That takes a minute to, uh, to um, assess. So most companies, you know, a brand new hire will come in and during the onboarding phase, they're teaching about the company history and all the product iterations over the years and, you know, what they do and who they are and who their founders are. Uh, I think more companies need to focus on the opposite. And that is, okay, who are our customers? What were the critical business issues they were facing before they met us and before we intervened? And what does life look like for them now, now that we're a partner of theirs? You know, is this a long lasting relationship that we're excited about? Or do we think it'll be short lived? Uh, Who are the key stakeholders here? What does great look like here? Uh, how can I reconcile that against some of my strengths, some of my competencies? Uh, where are my areas of improvement that I know I'm going to have to work on? And how am I going to approach those? Uh, I'm not going to get too emotional about this situation. Yes, I want to build rapport and credibility here. And I want to show a return earlier than later. But, um, you know, what, what do I need to work on? Uh, and when do I really need to um, step in and start uh, adding value? So listen first, then connect with the people that are key, connect with the numbers that you need to get acquainted with, and then start engaging. Uh, some people uh, are sharp enough to engage within a week of being at a company because they've kind of been there, done that, and they get the landscape very quickly. But more often than not, it, it takes a good month to two months to kind of figure out the lay of the land before you can really make a difference. That's what I'm talking about. That's why we have the selfish section right there. Cool. Um, so one, one or two last questions for you before I let you go. Um, if folks try to find you, there's a lot of ways you can find them. You might head to ralphfarsi.com. And I, I noticed um, that at the very top, you've got the boom, the bip, the boom, bip. Which, uh, <laughs> which it's, it's actually, I'm, it's, I, you, you have to say it this way. The boom, the bip, the boom, bip. The boom, bip. <laughs> A little tribe called Quest, no? That's right. That's exactly right. Can you 
why did you choose that as, as the tagline for the site? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so funny that you brought that up. So <laughs> I've been a drummer since I was three years old and uh, I've always oh, see, seen life in terms of there's a beat and a pattern to pretty much everything and anything that we do. And uh, the blog uh, is really there to showcase, you know, the value that I'd like to be adding to the marketplace, whether it's through an article or whether I've appeared on this podcast, I'll put that on my show your work page, just to show the trail of breadcrumbs that I'm trying to leave behind for people to learn from, whether it's things they don't like or like, hopefully there's some takeaway there and some nugget of value that they could they could apply to their own lives. And as I'm adding things to the trail of breadcrumbs, it's like a, there's a rhythm to it. The boom, yeah. the bip, the boom, bip a little bit here, a little bit there. <laughs> you know, you could learn about what's going on over here. You could check out what's going on over there. And there's a, there's that rhythm that goes to it. And that's why I've got it up there. Love that. Love that. I knew it had something to do with drumming and then um, I, it, it makes sense now. It's also you, a great beat. Like if you, yeah, it is. If you walk into every day with that beat going in your head, you're gonna have a little pep in your step. You're gonna have a smile on your face. You know, you're gonna shed light when you walk into a room versus suck the life out of it. And I, that's just the way I roll. I love it. Everyone could use a little tribe called Quest to start their day. I think the world would be a little bit better place. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would start with the low end theory. Yeah. Um, Cool, man. So I, I mean, man, I appreciate having you on, uh, one of my favorite people to have on the show and, uh, you know, really one of the people I respect most as in the sales world, in the leadership world that I've gotten to, to know and connect with. So I appreciate you wanting to know that. And, and I want you to just let maybe everyone else learn about, you know, where they can find you if they do want to follow the breadcrumbs uh, of Ralph Barcy. Thank you, Tom. And uh, thanks for all the value you've been adding over the years. You know, when you said at the beginning of our conversation that, you know, we recorded an episode two and a half years ago, look at all the work you've been doing since then. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've impacted a lot of lives that you may never, ever know. Uh, so thank you for doing what you're doing as well. I think, you, you know, you're representing everybody in our profession very well. And I, for one, appreciate it. Uh, so how you can find me is connect with me on LinkedIn, Ralph Barcy, uh, or Twitter is at rbarcy. Uh, and of course, ralphbarcy.com. If you subscribe, uh, you will get a personal thank you email from me. And if you reply to that email uh, and wish to have a reply from me, you're going to get one. Uh, so uh, I encourage you to check it out and hopefully we'll get to connect and meet someday soon. And, and on that note, just maybe one last question you just strung from me. Are you someone that if they're going to send you an email, it might take you, it might be a minute later, it might be a week or a month later, depending on the email, you're going to respond. It's, oh, I will you're going to play tennis and you're going to hit the ball back over the net. I will hit the ball back over the yeah. net. Yeah, it will yeah. take me a minute sometimes. You know, I, I, yeah. I will get to it during that kind of that introspective, reflective time we talked about, but I will get back to you. That's you know, awesome. especially if you come at me, uh, you know, the right way and you come at me kind of looking for some help with something, I'm, I'm definitely going to help you. And if I can't, I'm going to point you to someone who I know can probably help you. Yep. That's great. Well, I appreciate it, Ralph. Everyone check out his site, check him out on Twitter, LinkedIn. He's got some great recent content I know on, uh, you know, sales hacker and just, he's all over the place. So if you type his name into Google or into the podcast app, you'll find a lot of great nuggets there as well. So I appreciate you, Ralph. I appreciate you, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Take care.